For what do I have if I don't have you, Jesus? What in this life could mean anymore? You are my rock. You are my glory. Hi and welcome to The Rock Podcast. In today's teaching, we close out the book of Daniel, 12 chapters of action-packed prophecy. And here in Daniel chapter 12, we take a look at future events, events that pertain to the end of times. Let's join Pastor Ross now with a message entitled, The Great Tribulation. So when the world talks about the Big Bang Theory, they are onto something, they just have it backwards. Yes, a big bang, but not how things got started, but how things will end. And then, now, um, uh, the Apostle Peter tells us plainly, the earth will be destroyed by fire. That is in Second Peter 3 and verse 10. The earth will be destroyed by fire. And sometimes we just read over that like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) The earth, the earth, this earth that we live upon is headed to be destroyed completely by fire. I have a picture of just that thought there. The end of the world. And Daniel has been talking about that now with five different visions concerning just that the end of human history and the beginning of the kingdom of our Lord and Christ. And so when is this all going to happen? How does that all come about? Well, that's exactly what Daniel's been asking. He gets the vision of the end of the world and then he asks some questions. And that's exactly what these 13 verses here, uh, of closing up the book of Daniel, uh, focuses upon. When and how do these things come about? Verse 1. At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. That should sound familiar to you. Jesus said those words. But at that time, your people, your people, the Jews... Everyone whose name is found written in the book will be delivered. So we're going to pause there because he's talking about a very important concept here called the Great Tribulation. Uh, now, uh, this time that he's talking about is, is really an explanation of what's come down in chapter 11. So chapter 10 was the introduction to the last vision in Daniel. We looked at chapter 10. That's the introduction to the vision. Chapter 11 with all the massive details of the vision. And now he's bringing some concluding remarks and explanation uh, about what we just talked about. And, and that is the, the end of times, which is what this whole chapter has been called, the end of times. Uh, let me show you the statue again. We're talking about the rock that was in the dream that was cut not with human hands, that comes down from heaven and brings an end to all world governments, but particularly so the last days here. So 
where this rock is colliding with this right here, that's what we're talking about. That's called the Great Tribulation, the Day of the Lord. There are many names for it, but this is what Daniel is, is, is being revealed. He's being revealed these truths about this moment here. How long? When does it happen? So the details are all about that. And so we saw uh, human history heading down toward the last days when Christ comes and destroys that kingdom, which just wipes everything away, because then in the vision, that rock grows massive and it takes over the whole world. And that rock is the kingdom of God. And so that time is drawing near. Thank you for that uh, slide. Now, so the end of chapter 11 has been talking about, so, so what the verse says is at that time, well, what time is that? Well, we're talking about the time period that the angel is describing uh, this part of the prophecy. So at that time, we're already at the end in chapter 11. So we're already at the time of the Antichrist and the worldwide chaos and, and the attacks upon Jerusalem. At that time is where the context picks up now. So we're already at the rock hitting the toes, all right? And, and uh, the Antichrist is there. He's gone after the Jews, which brings about really all the global chaos and the crises and the world wars and the supernatural judgment that attends all of that and culminates with the great and glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, as the scriptures say over and over again. If you want to check out the fireworks, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, wow, blazing fire, powerful angels, Christ appearing uh, there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. So, of course, there's some good news here. The end of the old uh, is the beginning of the new. So we're going to hear about resurrection and a renewed earth and the kingdom that God has taught us, really the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to be praying and longing for. Uh, Thy kingdom come. And so that rock hitting those uh, last day, that last day government is really the answer it's out with the old and in with the new. And so uh, God's kingdom will be established. So it says, at that time, um, Michael, the archangel, will be engaged. He will stand up and he will be one very busy angel. Why? Because he guards the people of Israel, right? And so uh, the whole end of the world is, a, is really about Israel. And so Michael is an archangel. Jude, Jude verse 9 tells us that he is sort of the opposite of Satan. Some people think that uh, the opposite of God is Satan. No, the opposite uh, of, of Satan is Michael the archangel. Satan is the head of all the fallen angels. I guess Revelation chapter 12 and verse 4 uh, kind of alludes that Satan took a third of the angels with him in his rebellion, and he leads them. Michael, the archangel, leads the angels that did not fall. Uh, the Bible says that they kept their first estate, meaning that they, they, they did not fall into the devil's deception. And so um, now apparently Michael, his top assignment there is to guard Israel. 
Um, we've heard about the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece, which are fallen angels that govern those regions. And now it's nice to know that Israel has the archangel guarding uh, her as well. Now, not to mention the Lord says, I'm going to fight for my people. Many times he tells Israel, sit back, relax. The battle's not yours, it's mine. I fight for my people. So on top of that, they have Michael as well. And so it says, in those last days, it, it, when Christ is appearing and, and the day of the Lord is happening, the world's falling apart and it's on fire, that uh, Michael is at work with the angels. And so at that time, Michael stands up because Israel's in the pressure cooker once again. So, and and it, uh, you have to remember, it's all about Israel. It always has been, and God is working in this world through Israel. So the final persecution is coming. He says, in the end, uh, he will stand up to guard your people. Uh, That's the catalyst. The final persecution of the Jewish people will bring on the end of the world. Take a look at the world right now. It's a setup right now. One wrong move somewhere and there's going to be uh, World War III. And what does it have to do with? It has to do with Israel, just like the scriptures say. Just like the scriptures say. We're watching it happen right before our eyes. The stability of the world is tied to what's going on with Israel. So he says at that time. That time, I have a timeline for you. And here's what he's talking about. So we've got eternity past. We've got the Old Testament. We have the appearance of Jesus. He dies. He's buried. He's resurrected. He ascends. Now, we have the resurrection of Christ, right? We have the church age, all right? And then we have God taking the church out of harm's way. And now we have the tribulation period, seven last years of human history. This is at that time. When he says, at that time, we're here. The church has been taken out of harm's way, as these scriptures uh, tell us. And uh, in heaven, the church is being judged. It's called the Bema Seed. Uh, it is a rewards kind of banquet uh, for faithfulness to him. And something else is, is taking place, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so at the end of that, it's time to appear with Christ and he, he returns. Then there's a thousand year reign here. So what we're dealing with is the last seven years that really has a beginning, middle, and end. And so we've learned from Daniel chapter nine and verse 27 that the tribulation begins with the signing of a peace treaty that brings peace to Israel. All right, that's the beginning. We know there's a middle at three and a half year mark that the Antichrist, goes on to the, the, the Temple Mount and proclaims himself to be God. He will force the world to worship him, that whole 6-6 thing, or, you, or you'll be executed. You cannot buy or sell. That is the middle point. And then we have, of course, the end, which is really, we're getting close to that in Daniel, where they're just massive uh, judgments of God and war and most of the world being destroyed, but there is a remnant that's saved. And so that's the end. And this is the period of time that we're talking about. So kind of get that in your head, all right? And so we'll go back to the verse. I do want to uh, 
look at this now. It says, there will be a time of distress such as not happened from the beginning of the nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found in the book will be delivered. So there's some good news and bad news. Now, there are several titles given to those seven years, all right? And so one of them is called, and I have this here for you, uh, Jacob's Trouble. That's a, a title for those seven years. And it, it says there in Jeremiah 30, and this is where we get the title for those seven years. How awful that day will be. See if you, you hear anything familiar here. None will be like it. It will be a time of trouble for Jacob, but he will be saved out of it. So the same exact thing that was just told to Daniel. Now, Jacob, it, Jacob had his name changed in Genesis 32 to Israel. And he had 12 boys. Those are the 12 heads of Israel. And they're called the children of Israel. So when, when we sing, oh, God of Jacob, Jacob is another word for Israel because Jacob was Israel. He just had a name change after he wrestled with the angel. And so this is a title. But look, there's never been a time like it. And it's about the Jewish people. What did uh, Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 7, uh, the, what we're talking about here. Uh, also, there's a scripture that says, I will make, in Zechariah, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling for the nations. So it's always about the end of the world that comes upon us and the world that, like none other, has to do, it's Israel's problem. The world is really indirectly destroyed, but it's because the tanks and the bombs and the hatred is pointed at her. It's her problem, so says the scriptures. Another term for it now uh, is, what's the next one? You can put it up there. The Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation. So Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives there. The disciples come privately and say, when is this going to happen? When's the end of the world? And then he starts giving them descriptions. And he gets down to 21. And he says, let's see if you recognize something here. For then there will be great tribulation, thus the title, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. That's three times in a row. They're all saying the same thing. Never been anything like it before and never be anything like it again. There it is, the great tribulation. And never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. You see, the great tribulation. Uh, and, it, and it's about Israel. He's talking to Jews there about Israel. Uh, let me give you a quote here uh, from John Phillips, who has a great commentary uh, on Daniel. He says, when one thinks of the terrible sufferings of the Jewish people in all ages, especially of their suffering during the Nazi Holocaust, it seems impossible that anything could be worse. The Holy Spirit assures us, however, that the great tribulation will be worse than anything ever uh, to take place on this planet. And then one more paragraph. Think of the sufferings of the Jewish people. Egyptian pharaohs have tried to exterminate them. Uh, Assyrian kings, Babylonian emperors, 
the Persian potentates have turned their hands against them. King Xerxes ordered their total extermination from all of his realms. Greek tyrants and Roman Caesars, neighboring princes and church officials, Spanish inquisitors and Roman popes, medieval kings and power-hungry czars, one and all have persecuted this people. The dungeon and the sword, the rack and the flame and the fire, concentration camps and gas chambers, starvation and tortures, sadistic experiments in the name of science, all that fallen men or raging demons could devise. All have been used against this people, but the great tribulation will be worse than them all. We're going to read on. Now, the next title is called The Day of the Lord. We're all talking, we're talking about the same seven years. So the day of the Lord is called Judgment Day, but it's seven years, right? Check this out. <laughs> Isaiah, wail for the day of the Lord, and that's where we get the title, is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Because of this, all hands will go limp. Every man's heart will melt. Every man's. Terror will seize them. Pain and anguish will grip them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at each other, their faces aflame. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. Revelation. Jesus says that Matthew 24, same sentence. And the book of Revelation, the same sentence. And Daniel, the rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. I will make man scarcer than gold. There'll be more minerals on the planet than people. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Almighty God, the earth is going to shake the heavens as well in the day of his burning anger. And I, I, I put Hebrews 12, 26, because uh, he just quoted this to his readers, New Testament, saying, the day of the Lord's coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Now, it just sounds like if you want to read more, I, I mean, Daniel, Jesus, uh, John in Revelation, Zephaniah, uh, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Joel, uh, Amos, Micah, Zechariah, and Malachi all have extended portions of what is called the Great Tribulation, the Day of the Lord. Uh, another way to put it, Armageddon. We're going to finish the chapter. Believe me, it goes fast after this. <laughs> and I'm only on verse 1, but Armageddon. Now, Armageddon is actually just the final battle of the seven years. But oftentimes, we just use that term as, you know, it's the end of the world. It's Armageddon during those times. Revelation 16, verse 16. Then they gathered the kings together in the place that is Hebrew called Armageddon, Valley of Megiddo, right? We've been there. We're going again next May. You can come with us. The seventh angel is a lot safer to go now yeah. than in that day you... You don't want to be around there. 
The seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air. Out of the temple came a loud voice from the throne saying, it's done. All right, tribulation's done. It's over. Then there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder, and a severe earthquake. No earthquake like it has ever occurred since man has been on the earth. So tremendous was the quake. The great city split into three parts, and the cities of the nation, that's Jerusalem, by the way, uh, God remembered Babylon the great and gave her the cup filled with the wine of the fury of his wrath. A lot of people wonder who that is. Every island fled away and the mountains could not be found. The, the earth is completely destroyed. From the sky, huge hailstones, about 100 pounds each, fell upon men. And they cursed God, didn't repent. They cursed God on account of the plague of the hail because the plague was so terrible. One more, the apocalypse. Apocalypse just comes from the Greek word to unveil or revelation. And so sometimes people in error say it's the apocalypse. But all the apocalypse means is the unveiling. And it's the name of revelation because the name of revelation in Greek is apocalypsis. And so the first three words of revelation is apocalypse, apocalypsis, yes, so. Christos. Those are the first three words of the book of Revelation. Unveiling, Revelation, Jesus Christ. And so this is what he's unveiling to, to Daniel. So the devil loses ultimately. Israel uh, converts and are rescued as a nation, not every last Jew, but uh, generally speaking, there's a massive conversion. And Revelation 21 and verse 5 the unholy trinity of the devil, the antichrist, and the false prophet. Look at that. Satan, the father, the antichrist, the son, and the false prophet who does all the spiritual stuff, the unholy spirit. Always counterfeiting God right to the end. And so in Revelation chapter 20, it looks like Michael gets the honor of taking them all and putting them where they belong in the fiery lake that burns with sulfur. So the scriptures say, time to move on, two and three. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So we've seen the great tribulation, now the great resurrection. Now, he's saying, Daniel, death and destruction is not the end, they're, 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 especially for God's people, because they will be resurrected. There's life after death for, for no matter who you are. Oh, everyone is resurrected. Everyone has eternal life. Every single human being has eternal life. It's just a question of where that life will be spent and how that life will be in, enjoyed or not enjoyed. So death is not the end, no matter who you are. Uh, uh, everyone rises from the dead. They're divided into two, two groups here. And it's, it's just as Daniel has been told. One is everlasting life, and one is everlasting contempt. Uh, Jesus, here's Jesus in John chapter 5. Do not be amazed 
For a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise to live, and those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So there you have it again. And we know from further teachings of Christ and the New Testament that there is none that do good. And so when he's talking about doing good, he's talking about being made good by being put in, in right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk about resurrection since it's in your text, all right? Here's how resurrection works. In light of the completion of the Bible, which we have, and 2,000 years of church history, if a believer dies, they have a spiritual body. And with their spiritual body, they are present with the Lord, all right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 44, tells us we have a spiritual body, all right? And so, With that spiritual body, you're equipped to be able to be in the presence of the Lord. Uh, To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. If an unbeliever dies with their spiritual body, I'm talking about today, with their spiritual body that's equipped for the, the Hades where they will end up, Hades is a holding place Uh, Four departed, unsaved spirits. And Luke 16 paints a very grim picture of uh, a place of agony and flame. And that's where they go. Now, uh, at the coming of the Lord for the church, 1 Thessalonians 4, those who have died in faith receive a new body. So they've been in heaven. They've been waiting for Resurrection Day. Resurrection Day is the appearing of the Lord for the church. They, that's why Paul says, if the rapture happens, those who have died already receive their bodies first. Then we who are alive are changed. And so if you're alive, when the Lord comes for the church, you will have an instant resurrection. Your body, you won't have to need the spiritual body because you will be changed. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all die. Some of us will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. So, so when that trumpet goes off and he comes for the church, those who are already there in spiritual bodies, their bodies are joined new. We are already just changed. We're equipped for eternal life, glorified in a new body because it's resurrection day. Resurrection day is the appearing of the Lord uh, Jesus Christ. Redemption is complete, right? So every believer from Abel until that day will have their glorified body, whether it was at the time of the trumpet going off or they had been waiting in heaven in their spiritual body. And I'm sure the spiritual body is really cool, but it's not finished it wasn't completely glorified in this new way. And, and what does the Bible say about what you're going to be like? You're going to be you, first of all. You will live forever, and you will be, if you're saved, you're going to be, have this glorified body. What will it look like? Well, there's continuity between a seed and the flower, right? A daffodil, a daffodil, <laughs> daffodil, a daffodil bulb is a daffodil. But the flower, that which comes from the seed, doesn't look really much like what was planted in the ground. So in that way, we will all know who we all are, but we will be perfected. 
Are we going to look like our old selves? I, it depends what you look like now, probably. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be looking nothing like this. <laughs> because I'm going to be doing different things with my hair. Oh, every single day for eternity. You won't recognize me. Every day I'm going to have something new going on. So here's Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God in Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. There are two resurrections. That's the verse. You can put the verse back on. There are two resurrections. He says, blessed and holy are the ones that attain the first resurrection. Um, the dreaded second resurrection, and that the first resurrection is at the rapture. That is the first resurrection. Every saved person who's ever died is, is resurrected there. See? And an angel just got his wings. <laughs> a little cell phone go off. Yeah. Angels don't have wings and, and, they, and they certainly don't earn them by coming down here. All right. So, oh, the dreaded second resurrection is in Revelation 20 and a picture of verse 2. Those who awake to shame and everlasting contempt. That is the second resurrection. Now, uh, up comes uh, Hades at the end of the thousand-year millennial kingdom. Hades regurgitates all the dead wicked from Cain all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament and church age, all the dead who died wicked in the tribulation and all the rebels of the millennial kingdom. Yes, there are rebels. Those who survive the tribulation enter into the new world. They have children. Their bodies are changed. They live a long time. We are in glorified bodies. They are procreating. We are reigning and ruling with Christ. And at the end of the thousand years, those children and their children who have never seen this world will be tested as they must be. And some will rebel. And they will be killed. And they will be resurrected with the rest of them. The great white throne, Revelation 20, they'll stand before. And here's where the contempt and the shame of verse 2 comes from. The books are open. The angels are there. The whole world is there. And the books are open and things are talked about. Well, we see on May 14th of this year that you did this and thought this and said this and, and you made a decision here. Contempt, everlasting, it doesn't go away. There's no place to go. It says heaven and, and earth flee away from them because at the end of that judgment, there's a new earth and a new heavens. So there's no place for it because God is starting all over again with a world that will, it will never know any sin at all. That's why when he comes back, there's a renewed earth. 
it's not the new earth. It's at the end of the thousand years, after the wicked are judged and put away forever, then you have a brand new earth and heaven comes down as a city and purges itself like over this new earth. That's called the eternal state. And there's no more sinning ever again. You'll never, ever hear about, and then they rebelled and the devil was loose. No, that's done. Phase one of God's eternal plan, over. Phase two, it's called the eternal state. New heaven, new earth. We don't know anything about it, except guess what? It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) Amen? So, on a happier note, there's reward for believers. Verse three, wow, we're getting far. (laughs) There's only 13 of them, 12 of them. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. The word wise there, oh, it's a fun word. It means to observe carefully. It really means to wise up. Those who wise up will shine like their father forever and ever. That's just amazing. He shares his likeness and, he, and it radiates his life and glory from those who are saved. Uh, to those who are saved. So there's a special affirmation for those who impart uh, or impact, I should say, others for Jesus. Um, He may be talking about the 144,000. There are 144,000 during the tribulation, those seven nasty years. God picks 144,000 Jews. They're saved. And they're indestructible. They cannot be killed. And they preach the gospel. And they have many, many converts. They're going to have some stories to tell. But they are going to shine like stars. And, and it's generally to all who wise up. You know, the definition of the wicked are they never wised up. The definition of the wise is the wicked people who wised up. I mean, everybody starts out in Camp Wicked, right? And some of us wise up. And others don't. And that's just just parting ways right there. Those who wised up and got saved and cried out. And their wickedness was changed and covered and forgiven and transformed. Amen? I'm getting excited. I don't know about you guys. All right. Uh, Let's move on. Uh, Verse 4. And then we take the whole last chunk. And it goes fast. Verse 4, but you, Daniel, close up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. You've got to stop there and explain that. The the quick explanation, (laughs) hopefully, uh, is that close up and seal does not mean to keep it hidden, but to preserve it now, to protect it, to treasure it, because the vision is complete. That's what that means. All right. Now, all kinds of official ways to do that. It's very interesting how they did it on clay tablets and made duplicates and how they stored it for posterity. It was just very beautiful to read about. God wanted his people to understand this message. So there's no way it means to, uh, to hide it away. But, but they, here's what it means. It means that nobody's going to be able to understand this fully until history begins to unfold. Now, Jesus is talking to those two, at least 2,000 years ahead of him 
for the tribulation. And he's telling them who find themselves as Jews in the tribulation, check out Daniel 9. That's what he tells them. Read Daniel 9. He's talking about the future because you can't understand Daniel 9 really until you get to right about where we are today. Then things begin to make sense. And that's exactly what he's saying. Seal it up now because really (laughs) you can't understand these things until history is unfolding. But when it gets there, now the idiom, there's an idiom there that's not translated very well. It, It says, Uh, Many will go here and there, or the King James says, many will go to and fro. It's an idiom for your eyes when when they go back and forth and they skim the page reading. In fact, it's used for when the Lord goes to and fro searching the earth. It's the same idiom. So commentators say that he's saying, in the last days, Daniel, people are going to be able to understand these words, but you can't understand them now. Things have to happen. And then they'll be able to look back on history, see where they are, look ahead a little bit and go, oh, wow. As they're going back and forth, pouring in the last days over the prophecies, there'll be, there's going to be an outpouring of interest because they're going to want to know what's going on, but you can't know what's going on until, well, for example, I mean, how would we ever know that Israel or the Antichrist is going to make a treaty with Israel? Up until 1948, there was no Israel. So that didn't make sense. It was like, what Israel? Oh, he's going to make a treaty with Israel. Well, that's nice, but there is no Israel. Oh, but once there's an Israel from this side, now we're going, oh, what does that verse say again? Back and forth. Back and forth. Now I'm understanding. Oh, how are they going to understand that? A weapon like a lion with, with a breastplate of iron and fire coming out of its mouth and, and something like locusts in the skies and with wings, but they're whirling and making sounds like chariots going to war. And, and, and if you look at the front, you see a, a man's face in the front, and, and these wings making these loud noises, and out of its mouth, fire's coming in a weapon. Oh, yeah. Daniel, in the end, as they're pouring over it, knowledge will increase. Do you see that in the verse? They'll get it in the end. They'll be searching the scriptures and say, oh, man, that's a, that's a helicopter. That, those are weapons he's talking about. A torch, a flaming torch falling to the earth and exploding and a third of the waters become poisonous. Nuclear fallout from a, what, what does a torch, a flaming torch look like falling to the earth? A missile, right? And so he's saying knowledge will increase. They'll get it as history unfolds. Who would ever know the technology? How are we all going to see that? the Antichrist, taking a fatal blow to the head and rising up from the dead. How, how can the, it says the whole world watches that. So a hundred years ago, that prophecy didn't make any sense. How, is this, how can the whole world watch a guy die and rise again? Oh, Daniel, just seal that up, buddy, because in the end, knowledge will increase and they'll understand it. 
because everybody, including Africans, every African has a cell phone, every last one of them. They're all on the internet, everywhere. The Africans were telling me, one thing about Africans, we all have cell phones, right? <laughs> Everybody's going to be able to see the Antichrist. Where was the technology going to come to make everybody unable to buy or sell unless they take a certain mark? Where's that technology? Oh, Daniel, now we can understand there's an Israel in place. We can understand diseases taking over the world. Could they be four? Not so much. We get it now. But time had to go on. Let's finish up. Five through 13 and we're done. You don't think I can do it? I can do it. It's right here. Look, that's the last verse of Daniel, the whole book. Then I, Daniel, looked. And there before me stood two others, one on this bank of the river and one on the opposite bank, two angels. One of them says to the other one, clothed in linen, that's a beautiful white, pure linen, who was above the waters of the river. Wow. How long will it be before these astonishing things are fulfilled? The man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, lifted his right hand and his left hand toward heaven, and I heard him swear by him who lives forever, saying, it will be for a time, times, and a half a time. We've already figured that out in Daniel. It's three and a half years. When the power of the holy people has been finally broken, all these things will be completed. I heard... But I didn't understand. Yeah, we feel your pain, Daniel. Uh, we, we hear, but we don't get it either. Uh, so I asked my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? He replied, go your way, Daniel, because the words are closed up and sealed until the time of the end. You can't know now. There's no way, buddy. <laughs> Many will be purified, but let me give you some encouragement. Many will be purified, made spotless and refined, but the wicked will continue to be wicked. None of the wicked will understand, but those who are wise will. <laughs> From the time that the daily sacrifice is abolished, this is, this is the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years, him going into the temple and proclaiming himself God, and the abomination of desolation is set up. From that time, there'll be 1,290 days. Blessed is the one who waits for and reaches the end of the 1335 days. As for you, go your way to the end of your life. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. There it is, the final commission and the close of the book of Daniel and uh, closing with some intriguing thoughts. So two angels appear. One on each side of the river. And these, these angels are ginormous. There's one in Revelation. Remember, he's got one foot on the mountain and one foot on the ocean. They're big. Um, so one angel says to the other, because what a great way for God to say, I want them to know this. And especially those who, do you know how valuable the book of Daniel is going to be to those left behind? Do you have any idea? That will be far greater worth than gold. It will, have the, it will tell them the keys. It gives them the math to do. 
Oh, yeah. So he wants them, us to know how long is this period of time where all hell breaks loose, Israel's being attacked, the Antichrist is winning as it appears. How long is that time going to be? That's what he wants to know. That The angel is saying that. So how long does Israel suffer like this? And how, how long do the forces of darkness seem to prevail? And, and then the other angel raises his hands to heaven and swears by God. He says, I swear to you. Do you know what? He's doing that for those left behind. I promise you, 1,290 days, and it's over. Three and a half years from the time that he goes into the temple and says, you worship me, people of the earth, or you die and watch this statue come to life. And the, and the false prophet gives the power of an inanimate statue of him to speak. And the world fawns and is deceived and worships him. He says, count them off. 1,290 days and you're free and clear. That's who he's talking to. That means a lot to them. How long is this going to happen for? 42 months, that's what uh, the Bible talks about. So verse 8, poor Daniel, you know, he, he admits it. He says, okay, I heard you. It's not a problem with the ears, uh, but I do have a problem uh, making sense of what does it mean? My people are going to be broken. What is that? And, and how does this work? So he, he's saying, listen, three and a half years, then what? What happens to Israel? Uh, what do you mean, you know, power broken? So the angelic response in verse 9. Daniel, bro, it's time to go home, all right? There's no way to explain this to you. It can only make sense at the end. It's for them. It's to help them. When Israel comes to the end of a rope, it says God's people have to be broken. Here's where they get saved. Finally, <laughs> when there's mere moments to Israel's annihilation, maybe minutes, the last rocket has been fired on their behalf. The, their last hope, every, they're surrounded. They look up and the Holy Spirit touches their hearts as a nation. And they cry out in that name that they've been trying to fight against for over 2,000 years. They cry out in their own tongue, Yeshua. And he saves them. And he appears for them and they are saved. Not every last Hebrew, all the wise, all, only the Jews that wised up. All right? The Jews that didn't wise up and, of course, the converts during the tribulation. There's lots of those. Lots of those. Millions of those. As far as the eye can see, it says innumerable martyrs, unfortunately. But you cannot count them. So the 144,000 are very successful because they start something. And the gent there are Gentiles who are saved, millions of them, right? And so that's what he's, he's letting them know uh, what's going on there. And so when Israel comes to the end, he has a breaker. He has a breaker. You would think by now, Right? I relate to them. I understand. I mean, I, I, 
I come from that ancestry. It, it's an amazing thing not to have bowed the knee uh, before that. It doesn't mean that every uh, last Jew gets saved, as I've been saying. It's those who put their, their faith and trust in Jesus. Verse 10, uh, Daniel gets a little bit more clarity there. Good news, bad news again. Uh, God is going to purify and, and, you know, he's saying, listen, Daniel, because of this terrible time, there'll be millions of people in heaven. Purified. God. Perhaps if there was no tribulation, they wouldn't be there. So God is going to use the tribulation, Daniel, and he has set a, a limit of days and he has limited the time of trouble. That's the good news. Uh, and then he says the bad news. The wicked are going to just go from bad to worse. You know, Paul the Apostle put it this way about the wicked. Evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. There's another verse in Revelation. Do you remember where it says, let, the, let, the, let he as a wicked be wicked still. It's like if after all of this, you still want your own way without Christ, go right ahead. There's nothing more he can do. He laid down his life in love for you. The Holy Spirit has opened your eyes and revealed the truth of God to you. And if you still want to be filthy, let them be filthy still. God will give you the desires of your heart and he will give you over to that which you want so badly, right? I mean, he'd prefer that we come to him and be saved, as he always says. And so then he, and then he gives some math right at the end, you know. He says, um, definitely you will be blessed to be at the 1260, uh, 1290 days. Now the commentaries say, okay, there's an extra 30 days there. And so the way that they explain it is that there are 30 days before the new kingdom begins. The government of Jesus starts. There's a government. He sits on the throne in Israel and rules a world. He's going to renew the earth, and he's going to start a government. So they say 1290 is the beginning of the official government of Jesus, our Christ. And then he says, and wow, are you blessed if you're standing at 1335. So there's an additional 45 days to that. And commentators say that in Matthew 25, when Jesus appears, he judges the nations and he separates them like sheep and goats, right? Commentators say, after he judges the world, Daniel's saying, they're saying to Daniel, if you're left standing there, you enter the kingdom. You made it alive through the tribulation, saved through all of the, every, until the gates are open wide, enter in, the millennial kingdom has started, and you passed as a sheep to the right. And what he says about those sheep, he says, they will go away to eternal life and shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Just, just exactly what Daniel said. That's Jesus speaking, though, there in his parables. And so, there you have it. He does finish up with something really kind of heartwarming to Daniel. He says, Daniel, 
As for you, go your way to the end. So uh, everybody can relate to this last sentence. Continue to serve God until your last day. You will rest. We all will come to an end unless, of course, you will be raptured. And then, uh, you know, that's cool. That's a lot more cool than dying, I think. Uh, Amen? I'm going to rather just turn around one day and say, hey, and then you're looking at the Lord. And Amen? Yeah. Well, get ready. It's coming. <laughs> As for you, go your way to the end. You will rest. You'll be in the presence of the Lord. And then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. He's, he's alive and well. He's not sleeping. He doesn't need to rise. Whenever the, whenever the Bible talks about resurrection and sleep, they're talking, it's talking about the body because the body that's dead looks like it's sleeping. Our, spirit, our spirit, spiritual bodies go into the presence of the Lord. I mean, you know, we saw uh, Elijah and Moses appear with Jesus. What were they doing if they were supposed to be sleeping? You know, and they haven't risen yet. They're somewhere, no. Uh, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And we're not all hanging out in heaven on cots, sleeping in the presence of the Lord. We're, we're serving the Lord. So when he says that you will rise, yeah, the, the, his body, his body, wherever it is, however deteriorated it is, God puts those atoms back together brand new, though. Brand new, in a different way, in a glorified way. So that's something that we all look forward to, is verse 13. He's saying, Daniel, here's the last thing I want to tell you. On Resurrection Sunday morning, you're there. You're right there. You're going to enjoy it all. You're not going to miss a thing. And when the trumpet sounds and, and the roll call goes on up yonder, Whatever that hymn, however that hymn goes. When the roll is called up yonder, yeah, thank you. (laughs) I'll be there. He says, Daniel, you're going to be there. And anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord and wises up, you're there. Let's pray together. Oh, Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for getting us through a very tough few chapters, Lord, and all of these ideas sometimes overwhelm us, but the bottom line is to go about our Father's business and then knowing that one day we'll rest in the presence of the Lord and on resurrection morning, whenever that is, we're going to find ourselves right happy in the middle of it all because we trust in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Let's stand together. Closing song. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at calvarytherock.org.